chapter 7, we heard Jesus teach about clean and unclean. What makes a person unclean? And the kind of cleansing we really need. This week, in the second half of the chapter, we come to a, a concrete example of that. Jesus moves into Gentile territory, and the Jews consider Gentiles, non-Jews, as unclean. Gentiles did not live according to the ceremonial law. And they regularly handled things and engaged in activities that would exclude them from the kingdom of God. Most Jews thought that if they associated with these Gentiles, they too became unclean. So keep your eyes on Jesus as he now interacts first with a Gentile woman whose daughter was possessed by a demon, and then with a Gentile man who was both deaf and mute. Chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. The crowds, who constantly followed Jesus and demanded his attention, just didn't allow any time for Jesus to instruct his disciples. So Jesus leaves Israelite territory and heads north and east into Gentile territory, where he hopes no one will notice him. But even there, he could not keep his presence a secret. A woman who is a Greek, that probably means she was not a Jewish convert, and born in Syrian Phoenicia, that was her nationality, immediately comes to Jesus and begs him to heal her daughter. What happens next has often troubled Bible readers. This sincere foreign woman begs Jesus for help. Imagine her suffering that she endured as the caregiver of a demon-possessed child. She's at the end of her rope. And Jesus appears, at the very least, to be insensitive to her suffering, or at worst, to be racist, as he insults her publicly. How are we to understand this? We cannot know the tone of Jesus' voice or the expression on his face. That would tell us a lot here. But some of the words do give us a clue. We also get some help from the parallel account in Matthew. Matthew tells us that the disciples were listening to all of this and that they were annoyed by the woman's presence in her continual begging Jesus. We need to keep in mind that Jesus is not only dealing with this woman, but he is instructing his disciples. Could it be that seeing the disciples' wrong attitude about women and Gentiles and seeing this woman's love for her daughter and her confidence in his power, Jesus decides to use the situation to challenge the prejudices in the hearts of his disciples. Finally, and perhaps most helpful, 
We have Jesus' words at the end of the conversation, which help us to see where Jesus has been heading all along. With all of that in mind, let's listen as Jesus has a conversation with this woman who has just begged him to come and heal her daughter. Verse 27, Jesus said to her, First, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Jesus is saying, the Jews are the children of God. I was sent to give spiritual food to them. Why would I take it and throw it to the dogs? Dogs in those days were despised, almost as much as pigs. Pigs were worse, but only by a little. Dogs were not kept as pets. People would sometimes throw food scraps to big, mean dogs at their front gate to keep those dogs around to protect their property. And here's the thing. Jews referred to Gentiles as dogs as an insult. Could it be that Jesus is saying out loud what the disciples are thinking in order to get it in the open and address it? And if so, would the disciples pick up on what Jesus is doing here? He is, in effect, saying, you would be happy if I get rid of this woman? If I limit my compassion to the Jews? I know you disciples think Gentiles are dogs. Are your hearts so hard that you have no compassion for this woman? Do you see where your theology leads? Kenneth Bailey, in his book, Studies on the Gospels, writes, It can be hard to see one's deepest prejudices verbalized and demonstrated. There's something else here we should notice, and the modern translations do not bring this out, unfortunately. But the word that Jesus uses for dogs meant little dogs or puppies. Would the woman pick up on that? And might Jesus be testing her? Would her love for her daughter and her confidence in Jesus be strong enough that she will persist even when he seems to be closing the door on her request? Well, she passes the test, and she does pick up on the hint. Verse 28, she replied, Lord, even the dogs, and she uses here the same word that Jesus does, puppies. Lord, even the puppies under the table eat the children's crumbs. I cannot say for sure, but I wonder if there was a bit of a smile on Jesus' face as he spoke to her and on hers as she replied, she has passed the test. No, little dogs deserve nothing. But little dogs get little pieces of food. Do you not have a crumb for me, Jesus? She knows even a crumb is more than she deserves, but like a puppy under a child's high chair at mealtime, she is waiting to pounce on whatever falls to the floor. Ready to pounce on whatever falls from Jesus' gracious hand. That her words demonstrated a, a tremendous confidence, both in Jesus' power and in Jesus' willingness to help, is evident from Jesus' response in verse 29. He told her, For such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Her response expressed a great faith in Jesus' love and salvation for all, Jew and Gentile. Again, Matthew's account helps us here. He records Jesus' as also saying, 
O woman, great is your faith. Unlike the Pharisees from earlier in the chapter, who thought they were earning heaven one step at a time, impressing God with how well they washed the outside of the cup, this woman was waiting for gifts, snapping them up like an eager puppy. This is the Christian faith, not that we earn a reward, but that God gives us a gift. Verse 30, she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. She found it exactly as Jesus had said, her daughter healed, simply through Jesus' word. From Tyre, Jesus and his disciples travel north to Sidon, then east and south toward the Sea of Galilee, and then southeast to the region of the Decapolis, another Gentile region. You might remember that name. That's, that's the area where the people had asked Jesus to leave because he sent many demons into a herd of pigs. But the man whom Jesus had healed of those demons must have told of Jesus' mercy because now when Jesus comes back to this region, crowds gather. Verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Maybe this man had been deaf since birth, and that is why he couldn't speak. You can imagine how hard it would be to be both deaf and mute. Well, in Jesus' day, it would have been even more difficult. What did this man's friends know about Jesus? Well, apparently, that Jesus had the power to heal. Verse 33. After Jesus took the man aside, away from the crowd, he put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. A good Jew, a Pharisee, would have kept his distance from this Gentile, especially since the common belief was that people who were deaf or blind from birth were so because of their own sin or the sin of their parents. But Jesus touches the untouchable. Because the man would not be able to easily understand what Jesus was doing for him, Jesus uses some rather interesting sign language. He puts his fingers in the man's ears to say, I will make you hear. He spits. In those days, they believed saliva had healing properties. Jesus spits probably on his finger and touches the man's tongue to say, I will make you speak. He looks up to heaven to say, this gift is from God. And then Jesus simply says, be opened. Simply by speaking the word, Jesus restores the man's ability to hear and to speak. In a miracle far greater, Jesus has opened your ears so that you hear his word and believe it with your heart. He opens your lips so that you may confess him. Thank God for your health. And when you are sick, look to him for healing. But even more, give thanks that he has opened your ears to his word and your heart to believe, your tongue to confess his saving grace. 
You see, you, like this man, have been touched by God. Verse 36, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Jesus charges them not to tell anyone because most of the people had a totally false idea of what the coming Messiah was to be. He had not come to earth to organize a political party or to supply physical wants. He had come to lay down his life as a payment for the sins of the world, and he would let nothing get in the way of that mission. Today, that command not to tell anyone no longer applies. In fact, just the opposite. He sends us out to tell the good news that he has done everything well. This section, the second half of of Mark chapter 7, teaches us that the Gentiles are not outside the purifying power of Jesus, and they are not to be marginalized in Jesus' kingdom. If you are finding this podcast to be a blessing, please let me know, either by emailing me at pastor underscore line westra at beautiful dash savior.com or by texting me at 513-600-9568. Also, let me know if, if these podcasts are something that you would feel comfortable sharing with a friend. And l- let me know too if, if uh, you have suggestions for a better format. Next week in the feeding of the 4,000, we will see that through the, though the Syrophoenician woman was willing to settle for crumbs, God never reduces his grace to crumbs when he gives. And this generous feeding of the 4,000 non-Jews will not be under the table, but in the open for all to see. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.